0: Hello, and welcome to Amplify. Music from Rona Clark. Her A Bit of Nonsense, performed by Chamber Choir Ireland at this year's New Music Dublin Festival. This is the last in a short series of episodes covering the festival, which took place online from the 23rd to the 26th of April. I'm joined again by CMC director Yvonne Ferguson. Hi Yvonne, how's it going?
1: Hi Jonathan, all going well?
0: it was an unusual experience, wasn't it, for us watching these concerts online and then chatting to some of the composers, musicians and other key people involved in the festival at the end of each day, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. You know, I find the first day of the festival a little bit strange, to be honest, Jonathan. You know, I really did miss the, the buzz of rushing from concert to concert and trying to squeeze in something to eat and, you know, meeting with all the international, and national delegates that we would usually invite. And most of all, I suppose catching up with so many composers and performers who are in the one place at the one time, and being in the room for new works—you know, world premieres—that's just always such a great buzz right across the weekend. But I especially missed it on that uh, very first lunchtime concert. You know, when Michelle O'Rourke uh, started her first notes of uh, of the song, I really felt, ah, okay, this is this is going to be a different weekend.
0: Yeah, but it worked nonetheless. The sense of community was there, uh, definitely. For, for you know, for me, in terms of the different comments that you saw uh, alongside the performances on the on the YouTube uh, live videos, I guess that's one of the reasons why we had these um, post-concert chats with some of the invited composers and the performers. That was nice to kind of create that um you know sense of, of of community and of course it's not the same but um you know we um we 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 made the most of it i guess
1: yeah for sure Jonathan you know that that definitely was uh, a real treat wasn't it to have the zooms at the end of each day of new music dublin to reflect back and chat about the works and I certainly enjoyed um engaging with all the works uh, online across the weekend definitely
0: And CMC was also involved in its own online event, NMDX, which took place on the Monday.
1: Yeah, NMDX is New Music Dublin Exchange, Jonathan, as you know, and um, it's now in its third year and it's our networking event that we do in partnership with the festival, an annual networking event to connect those active in contemporary music from Ireland, ensembles, composers and performers with venues, festivals and concert programmers from Ireland and from around the world and you know this year was a really huge undertaking to replicate uh, a speed networking event online and um, it was led by our colleague Linda and hosted on the online platform Remo which was new to us and uh, we were helped in that by the Horan Stand who have lots of experience in these online events and the response was overwhelming. I mean 35 national delegates attended and 19 international delegates and then we had 57 artists participating so there was over 500 networking meetings you know uh, over the course of of the Monday and uh, a really huge engagement all the international and national delegates incredibly generous with their time. And you know, I know from even since that day, which was Monday the, the 26th of April, there's been loads of contact between those active in New Music in Ireland with national and international delegates to line up new projects. For, for when the time is right uh, for everybody to get back in a room uh, for new music events. And when the time is right for travel, Jonathan, because a big part of NMDX for us is getting new music from Ireland on the radar with international programmers.
0: Indeed. So back to our chat, which we had on the Sunday evening of the festival, and we spoke to composers and KirkoS members, Sebastian Adams, Robert Coleman and Susan Geaney, and New Music Dublin Festival director John Harris, whom you'll hear towards the end of the conversation. But we begin first, Yvonne, with composer Rona Clarke.
1: Rona is one of our most established composers and like many others, Jonathan and I look forward to hearing new work from her. And I do have a particular fondness, and she knows this, uh, for her choral music. I think she has a real rather unique skill of writing choral works, which not only sit well on the human voice, but retain her own individual compositional voice. And her choral works for me are really original, engaging, and they're often taken at, at quite a pace. So I began by asking her about this new work, A Bit of Nonsense. The Bit of Nonsense, well, um, it was composed in
2: 2018 when I was up in the Jerome Guthrie Centre at Anne McKerrick. And um, most, not, not all of it, uh, I didn't complete it. And um, I left it aside because I had other work to do and it wasn't commissioned, so it just got left Um, on my desk and I wasn't even sure if I'd come back to it you know I thought maybe it's a little bit too flippant but um I, I just found the texts online and they amused me at the time so you know um dear Santa you know this year I'd like a fat bank account and a thin body and I thought well okay see what I can do with that and then I came back to it having completed a requiem last year so um it just seemed the right thing to do after the requiem you know the other the, the other side of things um and i completed it so uh four very short movements and uh, including the first fugue i've written since college and one of the things stopping me finishing it was i couldn't get to the end i couldn't finish the fugue i couldn't get an ending to the fugue. it was just You know, it was annoying me, and and all composition is like that. I think, you know, you get so far and you think, Oh, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, but what now? I can't finish. I can't, I don't know what to do next. I can't, you know, continue here. And you just, you know, sometimes you have to leave it aside and say, I'll come back later and it'll come to me. So that's what happened. (laughs)
1: The spirit of Johann Sebastian Bach descended and the fugue was complete. But the texts are great, Rona, and I, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you that you came across them online. I mean, they they're, they are definitely, of course, um, you know, a bit of comedy, but they're also a little bit tragic. I think there's a tragic comedy going on there.
2: The tragedy of life today where we're all so busy and, you know, we're, we're, there's so much social, there's so many social media channels that by the time you've got through one, you've lost the will to live <laughs> nearly, you know. Or, or you can't get to your work because oh gosh I must I must go through Twitter or you know um, if 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 you if you let it it could take over your life you know.
1: I like the rhythmic elements to it, Rona. I mean, created a bit with the fugue and of course the the kind of clicking the the clicking the fingers in the fourth movements as well, and I think. This is something that I always notice from your choral music. I mean, there is sometimes this temptation of um, composers when they're writing choral music to kind of fall into this trap of, uh, inverted commas, the gorgeous kind of sound, you know, the lush choral sound. And, uh, you know, you're very skilled at uh, Not avoiding that, you you know, but I'm not saying your, your work is always gorgeous, but you're very skilled at bringing a kind of a rhythmic element to it. And, you know, this kind of sense of, of movements in the piece.
2: Um, well, I, I suppose I'm aware I remember, you know, the late Jim Wilson, the composer, Jim Wilson, James Wilson, saying to me, there's a lot of slow music out there. And um, in the choral world, I mean, it is so true for um, directors to find a fast piece to fit into their programme. You know, they really have to search. And there is, in, in, in the choral world in particular, there is a lot of that, as you say, lush, slow, um chordal build up that kind of thing. It's 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 there a lot. So yeah, I'm I'm aware that there's a need for a a bit of rhythm somewhere.
1: closing bars of new music dublin 2021 and it's been very different because we've been watching it all online from our homes and Rona for you as a composer of a work and and you know it's a world premiere of a new work what's the emotion there you know and and were you able to engage with the with the choir for zoom rehearsals or or anything of that um
2: well, it, it was a bit unusual in that normally you would attend a rehearsal. So and um, I suppose it's the same for most composers. I get, I'm always a little bit nervous at that rehearsal, you know, that it's all going to be okay. So the performance was the first time hearing it. Um, there wasn't the possibility of attending a rehearsal. Um, so I suppose you're a little bit more tense, you know, but... Um, I mean, Chamber Choir Ireland are so good and Andrew uh, Sinnott was absolutely fabulous with them. So I knew it was in safe hands. I wasn't really, you know, worried that um, that it wouldn't be.
1: Yeah. And they're a group, you know, very well, you know, their sound, you know what they're capable of. So, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations, Ronan. It was a really great piece of nonsense, a great bit of nonsense, <laughs> a real, uh, a real bright um Sort of sound and a bright moment um, for the festival. There'll be many bright moments across the weekend, uh, isn't that right, Jonathan?
0: Absolutely. And uh, I mean, one of one of the. I think one. I, I'm not just saying it because some of the people are here on the call, but one of the highlights for me of the weekend, and it's actually it's an unexpected highlight, was was um, the Kirkasas for private use. I I actually sat down uh, this evening at about six o'clock because I didn't get a chance to have a look at it earlier in the day and uh, expecting that there would be some sort of video stream or collection of video streams, but no, there wasn't. Uh, There was a set of kind of um, directions, uh, performance pieces, uh, a whole I mean, a whole world. Um, I mean, I think John, you said yesterday that it's almost like a, a separate festival in itself. So, Sebastian, tell me, tell me what this whole project is, and how you put it together, and and why you put it together in the way you did.
3: Well, it's it, it's kind of a first for Kirkos in quite a number of ways, and I think maybe the most. Uh, most meaningful one of those is that the, the way it came up was um, kind of since December, all the kind of core members of KirkCrossup have been meeting regularly on Zoom, uh, mainly to talk uh, very, very broadly and led me to be thinking about the specific things that we are missing in, uh, in these Zoom performances, because obviously they're they're fantastic. Things. And there are some amazing advantages to access, where like you know, I, I saw on the, on the last stream there were people who I know live in America tuning in, like you know, to hear a probably a composer they know personally, you know, play a piece in a foreign country, which normally they would never get to see live. And so that's an amazing, okay. one of the many amazing advantages of of doing these things on on Zoom. But then some of the more sort of sensory things about a live performance, I think uh, doesn't translate in the same way as a physical feeling in a recording. And so we were thinking about ways you can, um, other ways you can achieve those things. So both on your own, but also kind of trying to find ways to communicate with other people without actually directly speaking to them over a video link. And basically we were all talking about all this stuff at length, like maybe about once a week, and then when NMD approached us, it just seemed, wow, this is actually the perfect time and perfect place to do this idea that we've been edging towards. So then we shifted quite quickly into like production mode and we were meeting much more regularly. And um, one of the great things I think that happened really for the first time here with, with Kirkos was that the, the members who are principally performers, who would have probably always just considered themselves performers and not composers, you will have seen that all of them uh, contributed pieces. Um, And so it was a very meaningful way to kind of break down the idea that there are composers and performers and, you know, there are people who do both, but that there needs to be a distinction there. Um, I think a, 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 a classically trained performer tends to be very worried about composing because they really feel this pressure of the idea of a composer as this um, almost like a monolith or something.
0: Like just to give you know there there's a a whole plethora of different pieces uh, in there, and one of the pieces that 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 um, well there were several that 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 sort of stood out for me. Uh, but your own contribution uh, the. Espresso Micro Sonata, and as a coffee nerd myself, who actually went out and bought um a a decent espresso machine and grinder, you know, as a result of not being able to get my daily flat white fix, um, this was something I had the instrument for. Uh, tell, tell, tell us about that particular piece.
3: So it's uh. It's a piece which is uh, a, a few paragraphs of text, plus an audio file. And um, the instructions are in the text. And, and basically, you're, you have to drink a coffee in order to do it. You have to either order or make an espresso. Um, and there are four little bits of audio which are quite different from one another. And the idea is that you first you get into a very kind of concentrated mode um, before you start drinking the coffee and you play the audio file, and then there's a sort of gap between each each uh sorry, each uh snippet of audio, which I called movements. And in each of those gaps, you're supposed to take a sip. And I was supposed thinking about the idea of in a, a multi-course meal, you would have a, a palate cleanser off sometimes, you know, in a in a very fancy restaurant. Uh, and it's this. I was thinking, I wonder with sound, can we actually just trick the palate to respond to different things in the, in the flavor? Because obviously, something like an espresso or, or also a lot of the other drinks like whiskey and things would, would be such complicated tastes that um, I just wondered would it be possible to draw different ones out with different sound things?
0: um susan uh if i could turn to you and ask you about your kind of contribution and where you um you know where you came in this as as a you know participant in in this uh kirkos um uh, project um your piece seven text pieces for private use tell me about that
4: yeah um so i suppose uh, the minute uh, sebastian reached out um about this i kind of was like yeah this is right up my street i write a lot of text pieces um and oftentimes it doesn't require any professional performance or performers it, it can be experienced by anyone um who, who you know or, or just even simply imagined so um yeah so when I, when he reached out i just decided to kind of do a series of text pieces That were based around the home so just exploring objects and going from room to room was kind of my starting point um and they're all quite sonic meditations or visual uh, meditations some of them are improvisational storytelling pieces um and then there's some music pieces around the kitchen table with glasses and then with sponges and things so there's quite varied stuff that are with materials that are all quite accessible so anyone can experience these themselves at home um, or they can also be performed in a professional context as well so it's quite open.
1: The kitchen table one Susan, I was completely intrigued with that one music for the kitchen table with the glasses yeah. because it seemed um, like it was absolutely beautiful <laughs> and those glasses were like tuned or something, you were getting different tones, And was that all improvised or did, did you know yeah. that all glasses I mean how you tried this all out what tones these glasses made on your kitchen table
4: yeah so like if all literally I was just going around the house playing with objects you know trying to figure out pieces that people could do so um, I just was actually messing with glasses and water and then I just was like just happened to by accident to turn a glass upside down and I started moving it across the table and I was like that's really sonically rich wow <laughs> um, and then I found frosted glasses that were completely different again so actually they all had different pitches too so it was yeah um yeah they all had different
1: pitches and tombers it was
4: absolutely and that was just opening a cupboard so like i mean everyone can just take out glasses and you know play around with them like you know it's yeah definitely something I'm going to explore in a piece in the future I think they're great yeah
1: so, I I thought it was a really um it was like a breathy flute sound it was yeah. like you created yeah. a piece for kind of breathy flute and you're a flute player then I think I remembered yeah, yeah is that oh, yeah. right yeah um yeah. but it, was that all improvised what you were doing on the table because you I mean it yeah. was a gorgeous little piece yeah, I
4: just did some samples to send to Kirkos as I didn't even think that was going to be up there today. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a few, I uh, just messed around to kind of show examples of what the pieces, me realizing some of them just to kind of give it some context. Um, and then, yeah, so that, that, yeah, just improvisation, basically, yeah.
1: Well, I only got a chance to to see that to watch the video, and I have to explore what glasses have potential in my cupboards. And I'm looking forward to to uh, making my way through the rest of your uh, uh, advice for creating some uh, cool pieces with uh, what's around the house.
4: Sure. thanks.
0: just just on on uh, sebastian uh, what you said and it's a it's a question to, uh, open to 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 the three of you um this thing about having zoom conversations and discussing ideas and you know over over the over the last over a period of weeks um do you think uh that you had more of these conversations uh, as a result of your circumstances in that you weren't uh, able to meet and you know make music together and 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 um you know uh, work work together do you think do you think that you had actually more discussions as a result of this or or was it just a a need to continue you know what what normally happens with 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 Kirkos in in terms of you know bouncing ideas around uh, each other
3: I think in in some of our past projects, uh, I'm sure anybody here who's put on concerts can can relate to the fact that you always come down to this these twin pressures, which can both be very extreme of time and uh, money. Where like you know you you have very little money to put on your your gig, so you have a very you know you you have the shortest possible rehearsal period for whatever whatever you're doing. This sort of space for uh, really actually articulating what all these projects meant to each individual member like in the group was, was difficult to have because of the ways that we tend to work and i, I know a, a thing that's that rob and i shared with susan before was uh, a project that kirkos did called uh, called body noise work where we had these residential ro- workshop weekends with with jennifer walsh leading them and for what well for me and rob being part of that like and finding how much we all learned from each other in that time, It ever since then, I was really feeling, oh, it was such a shame that all the Kirkos players weren't at that. And then that kind of collided with like the pandemic, obviously canceling everybody's work, but not just that mm-hmm. also kind of canceling everybody's social networks. Um, and so it's like, we also all needed this social outlet. Uh, it collided in this perfect way that I think we really got a lot out of it. Um, which is good because obviously the pandemic has been such a terrible time for, for everybody in so many ways, so it's helped us find a new way forward, I think, in a, in a way. <laughs>
0: Rob, if 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 I could uh, ask you about your your work that was done in the free state concert today, a hundred meters, and what was very striking, and I actually uh, made the point of not listening to John's. Um, excellent series of of interviews with 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 all the composers because I didn't want to know what the work was about, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. I see John just gesticulating there on on the video. You can't see that on the audio. Um, but um, what I mean, what struck me was there there was a very uh, strong mix of video and sound. So tell me about the piece and 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 how you approached it.
5: Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, I guess 100 meters, it's an audiovisual piece. And I, I had that, um, I guess, in my mind from the very beginning. I wanted the, the visuals to be a kind of, I guess, in some ways, an equal component of the work. And so so that there's a real, I guess, play with um, on the visuals and the sound. And um, yeah, because I'm fascin- fascinated with the relationships, I, I guess, that you can create when you um, Begin, bring another element into the mix and have this sort of opportunity to maybe bring it to the fore or, or, or make, yeah, bring that, make that the sort of really engaging part of the performance. Um, and this is the first time that I've actually involved like visuals with a live ensemble, which was like, it just fe- seemed like a really nice time to do it, I guess, um, with, with the whole situation and it being a live, like a streamed event. So I guess the the visuals feature uh, a sort of choreography done with my hands, and um, also uh, Olympic sprinters. And I guess the, the sort of germ of the idea, which I don't know how, it is back in there somewhere. Uh, so the gestures I'm doing with my hands is basically just a one, two, three, um, is basically what I'm doing. And it's sort of referencing this idea of in you know, a race, the first, second, and third place. Um, but of course, that's not really, I don't think it's not, necessarily important to know or it's i'd be curious if anyone actually picked up on that and that's sort of i guess somewhere in the bottom of it um where, where i began and then um make an interesting piece out of it hopefully you know that it's sort of uh, engaging for for the audience
0: so so basically the 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 you know you you really were thinking about the fact that it's um it's going to be received online and i suppose like a lot of composers who wrote pieces specifically for this festival who knew that this festival was going to be an online festival it more than likely somehow had a bearing on their on their approach to the to the piece
5: yeah it, it's an interesting um yeah trying to get that sense of balance as well because I know with my own piece then uh i had of course created the visuals for basically the full 8 minutes of the work and we were sort of discussing then well, it's a live performance, though, and you're not going to see the ensemble. I think there's maybe four occasions within the, the course of the visuals that we sort of just gave you glimpses of the live ensemble. Yeah, trying to get that balance, I think, and respect um the, the kind of live performance aspect or, or the fact that we're working with an ensemble there while, um, yeah, while then allowing the sort of multimedia aspects to really um, engage as well in the way they can.
0: John, I have to, I have to ask you. I mean, how how do you feel at the at, at the end of this? Are you are you happy? Is is it what you expected? Is it beyond? What, what what are your reactions?
6: Um, it's a surprisingly exhausting experience. Actually, not going anywhere. Um, I think the nervous tension is so high. Um, I'm I'm really pleased. I mean, I think I'm surprised how well it's gone. If I'm totally honest with you, I when I planned it, I thought, oh well, we'll just see what we can get away with. Um. I mean, I mean, New Dublin is just this, this mad, broad panoply of everything. You know, it's a kind of plethora of music, and 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 I mean, even the last gig seemed to kind of sum it up, where you have Becca Sims, who stood on a stage, age eight, and played a recorder, and thought, "This is what I want to do," and then you have L, who kind of goes, "You know, what, I'm going to do DIY electronics," and oh, I could be a DJ. Oh, hang on a second, I could write music, and those two worlds are so far apart, and yet they end up in the same sort of place. And obviously, you know, everybody else's backstory is different. I mean, we actually have different backstories on this screen um, of people who come from all sorts of different directions. I love that. I mean, that's what I really, really like, that you don't have just one path to be a composer. And then all the music is so incredibly different. I mean, the Chamber Choir concert was, I mean, like, that's what you can do with a choir, basically. There's your, that's your list of stuff, you know, and there wasn't much in there that wasn't a kind of a a thing that you can do with a choir, everything from, relatively kind of um, traditional homophonic call writing through to really complicated microtonal textures. And, and you're thinking, wow, you know. So yeah, I'm really, really pleased. I'm really glad it doesn't have a kind of stylistic, prescriptive nature. It's very sociable. I think the thing that I still am hunting for on these, this online festival is that, I was saying to Jenny last night, I said the weird thing about it is the festival doesn't really have any connective tissue. It's like, it has all these things that happen and you can't see this because it's going to be an audio podcast, But it does all those things, and then they there's nothing in between them. In a normal festival, you'd go and meet somebody in a bar, or you'd go for coffee, or you'd run into somebody in the corridor. Or you'd, you know, you have a kind of group gathering or something. Or that, of course, is very hard. Yeah. So it's just a series of isolate. It feels almost like a series of isolated events. Mm. That's the only. That's the bit that I really miss, actually.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and yeah. and, so, and so and so do we. I mean maybe t- thinking of or, or seeing if there are some positives from the experience of running an online festival and 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 the the learning that that has taken place i mean are there any things that you you think you might be able to transpose oh, as it were totally. into into a into a an actual f- festival next year where we can all be in the same space
6: just a whole access thing in the broadest possible sense is is really useful. So I, I was taking inspiration, I don't know if you know that great Morton Feldman quote about how he does composition and he says, you know, well, here's the way I compose. I make one sound, and then I make another sound, and then I put them together. <laughs> and it feels like even double is we did a live one, all these years, and then we did a digital one, and then maybe next year, we'll just put them together. So I'm wondering whether next year we have two or three venues that have streaming. Not everything gonna get streamed, but like the majority of the festival will probably be streamed in some way. There will be things that can only be done live, but actually it's available to people who, who, who want to, can only witness it online and we can do that. Um, so I was like, well, we can do that. So that's great. So you're not really getting a reduced version. You're getting like a kind of like a broadcast version of it really. Um, and I also think I've learned something about video and ensemble pieces, which is that they are better online because you've not got like a screen behind the the band that actually when there's video, like in Dara's piece yesterday, yesterday, yeah, where the video is so integral, you'll kind of go, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense. So some pieces might actually just stay on video, I don't know, we'll see.
0: Images and Sensations by Ellen King as performed in the final concert of New Music Dublin 2021 by the Crash Ensemble with conductor Ryan McAdams. Our thanks to everyone who participated in these episodes. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. Until then, bye for now and thanks for listening.